Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. My name is Matt Southcombe and this afternoon I'm joined by Andy Howell and Simon Thomas. Now Andy, I've just come into the office. Have you heard you're in a feisty mood? Are you alright? He's a bit snarly, Matt. False, Matt. False rumours. <laughs> you know, Matt, I'm never in a feisty mood. You know, <laughs> Certainly not today, Matt. All the better for seeing you. Matt, <laughs> you need some bodies in you. Charm, Matt. Alright, let's move on into the show then. Um, the first big story of the week really um, has been to do with the artificial pitch at Sardis Road um, I know there's only so much we can say so let's deal in the facts um, we know that burns happen on these pitches across the board um, there was a, particularly the severity of the burns that were sustained by Merthyr players um, is what really caused the shock and we're not saying that um, other pitches are totally okay and players don't come away with burns on them but it was like we said there's several players come away with really nasty ones some of them are missing this weekend's game <coughs> they're on antibiotics etc mm. um, but let's stick that's the facts in general terms sorry what do you make of artificial pitches because we're seeing them pop up all over the place now and there's yeah. calls for them left right and center i think you've seen the benefits of them in wales i mean you know andy and i have covered enough games where they basically end up in, as a mud heap. There was one mm. particular game at the Arms Park. I remember with the Dragons. It was uh, you couldn't tell one player from the other. That was very much the kind of the, the spark that, that led to the change there with with an artificial pitch at the Arms Park. We've had the situation before. I think when Ponty actually played Merthyr in a cup game, and that, was it. and that was a real mud fest. And again, that's led to the artificial pitch at Ponty. And there's also one at Merthyr. And we've seen the problems at Rodney Parade this season, you know, mm. where it was like a, more like a boating lake for the game against Newcastle in particular, which I covered. So we have it rains a bit in Wales, you see, <laughs> right? And it gets muddy. And from that perspective, for certain pitches that have particular problems, it is the way forward. We see now that if the union takeover of the Dragons takes place and they buy Rodney Parade, that's clearly one of the major things I think they look to do. So they do guarantee games go ahead, and they also bring in additional revenue for, for usage. For usage. <laughs> <laughs> they don't always guarantee games go More ahead. More so than... I, I've known games on the... There's two pitches at Ustred Munnock that are the same. Dragons train on a one, they also have rugby matches on there. And the football pitch next door and football matches have been postponed because the pitches have been waterlogged. I would think it's, it's, so it's what, waterlogged. Pitches can still... Uh, uh, you can still get waterlogged. Plastic okay. pitches, of course, it can. depends on flood table. And that could at Rodney Parade, that will be an issue if they do lay a plastic pitch there. It's because of its proximity to the uh, River Esk and the tidal uh, reach and fall there is huge. And uh, and it's been suggested that even a plastic pitch could flood at Rodney Parade. Excuse my ignorance here, though. Can't, can't legislate against the weather, can guys. Can you just brush the water off an artificial pitch easier than you can brush it off a grass pitch? I might be being naive here. I'm not a groundsman. So I, I, I think that the not. key here is if you look at the Saracens pitch, the, the Cardiff pitch, and this season the Ponty and Merthyr pitch, I don't know of a single game having had to be called off. And surely that's a benefit and a positive. What yeah. I do know, though, is a lot of players don't like playing on those pitches because well, they're so di- hard on a job. That's a different So issue. hard on the knees, di- so hard on the ankles, Lack so of hard give. on all the jaws. And, you know, there has been... I've covered games at Cardiff Arms Park. Two instances stand out to me. Reese Patcho, when he was playing for the Blues... Jumped up for a high ball, landed a bit awkwardly, was out for a number of weeks with a ligament injury. Whether or not his studs caught in a two-frame landing or not, I don't know. Another occasion, Alice Cuthbert, by himself, in open field, slipped on the pitch, studs caught, did his ankle, 
missed a number of games. Now, were they wrapping on a grass pitch? I'm not sure. Really? Of course, you still get you do get instances, don't you? Because that's catch yeah. on a on a grass pitch, and of course, you can get grass burns as well when it's really yeah. dry the, the other thing is important to say that is they are big revenue earners in particular look at the Arms Park situation that pitch is used virtually every day of the year with schools rugby um, age group matches being played on there it brings in a heck of a lot of revenue and it serves as a great facility the same with Merthyr and Ponty and he's right though there's, sometimes you can look at them you talk to players and there's perhaps not as much give in them for top of the ground players like the likes of Matthew Morgan people like this they must probably love playing on them because it's mm. great surfaces and generally, although we've picked up two or three injury situations there, there hasn't been an issue with Burns particularly. That's what's made this week different, so but not play, particularly. So not, not such a big issue in no. this, but players do get Burns at Cardiff Arms Park. I've seen it myself. I've seen pictures of Roy Williams and he's, for example, doing after one game. So you do get some, yeah. but we've never seen, I don't think we've ever seen so many no. in one side in a game and they seem to be quite bad. No, the reasons for it, I'm not an expert in pitches, Andy's not, you're not, but it, it, it seems, it was particularly dry conditions, there would have been no dew on the ground at all. So that when players were sliding, perhaps there wasn't much uh, give there, and he ended up with the friction burns. Look, the grounds uh, developers, the people who put it in place, are looking at an investigation. You spoke to them, Matt, the yeah. WRU, you and the story, and yeah, that they're investigating it. They will look so at this. Everyone will have a look know. at it. There's going to be a second pitches inspection, and hopefully within the next week we should have an answer to what caused the burns on this occasion. And hopefully it can be resolved, and it will just be a one-off. Yeah. All right, then. I think that's uh, all we need to say on that one. Moving on then, we've got... Uh, so big rugby matches this weekend involving the Welsh region site. Uh, Gloucester against the Cardiff Blues at King's Home at five past eight on a Saturday. You were going up there to cover that one, Si. Um, so it's going to be a great tie. It's a proper, what I would describe as a proper European tie. It's a, it's a proper ground, proper, you know. I, I love Gloucester as a rugby club. I love the, the whole shed and all this. I think that with the Blues going there, I think it's got the potential to be a real good tie. The big question for me is, will I get back to Wales before midnight? I don't <laughs> think so. I will turn into a pumpkin, whatever happens. Oh, five past eight. Five what past eight. Five past eight on a Saturday. Is that... That's not good news, TV guys, TV dictates. Simple <laughs> as that. If they want to play at two o'clock in the morning, two o'clock <laughs> in the morning, they pay the bills. The one good thing about it is that... Yeah, it's eight five past eight tonight, but at least it's not that far to go for Cardiff Blues fans. I think yeah. there's going to be quite a big contingent of it. As for the match itself, I've just been looking at the head-to-heads now. I've been showing Andy my marks, some of which he disagreed with. Um, shock. Shock, horror. <laughs> uh, it's a really good battle. It's a really good contest. I mean, Cardiff Blues have not had the, the most consistent or the greatest season. But you could sense, having been down there this week and talking to the players, they see that everything of their season really up to now boils down to this game. Because if you look at Europe... Even if they get in the top six, finishing place, which looks unlikely, they could only really do it at the expense of Glasgow, so they wouldn't get into the Champions Cup anyway. They're going to have to rely on the end-of-season playoffs to try and get a spot there. That's pretty clear now. So the league you know, is what it is. There's not a lot more to play for in the regular season, but there is a heck of a lot to play for in this weekend because although it's the second tier of Europe, we remember ourselves how big a deal it was when Cardiff Blues won this trophy in 2010 when they won beat Toulon out in Marseille, and they have got their heads screwed on for this game. They want to win it. It's going to be tough, though. You know, Gloucester have got a lot of talent in that side. The inspirational Richard Hibbard, we'll be talking about him, I'm sure, and they've got quality behind you know, Johnny May. Uh, I think it's you know, Marshall and a full-back. So, yeah, it's a tough test for them, but there's quality in that Blues team. There's a lot of international quality there. They've got a chance. They should, at very least, be competitive this weekend. 
if you, you you saying you've got all that talent in there, then we'll welcome their young performance the way they had achieved the season in terms of results. I mean, I suppose if you look at it, you've got people like I think Jenkins is playing this weekend. He's missed a large chunk of the season. You, you've got Nick Williams missed a large chunk of the season. They have been unfortunate, and that players who probably Wilson brought in and so has been absolute pivotal figures in that side have been missing. Um, Navidi's been injured for a while. Ellis Jenkins had a long layoff. Obviously, Warburton's away with Will. So I suppose that's the problem. He went for a smaller squad. In order to get higher quality, there's always a risk with that because if you then suffer injuries, the, 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 perhaps the, the, the lack of strength and depth you've got in your squad ex- is exposed. Plus, I, I, plus I, I, they've underperformed in certain games. Yeah, but I disagree with you because I think there's still plenty of depth in their squad. It's just they have underperformed and they got into a, they start the season well, but then the wheels really came off when he lost the Ospreys. That seemed to be a massive psychological blow for them, which they struggled to recover from. Yeah. And then uh, they weren't competitive in quite a few games. Second row was a worry for me at the start of the season. The situation then was made worse by George Earl, who was probably their best second row picking up an eight-week band. That's been a problem for them, as reflected by the fact they've signed two second rows for next season. So I think you know Wilson is now into his second year. I think you really, really judge him on his third year when it's his team. But this is an opportunity to show... When he's got everybody out in the field, no excuses now, is it? Because everyone's there, right? Pretty much, it's a full strength team. This is the opportunity to show. Her, this is what my Cardiff Blues team can do. So let's watch. Yes, Gloucester have been uh, sort of hit and miss in recent weeks. They've got some good results and then they've got some poor results. Kind of happens in the international break, I guess. Um, but are they still favourites for this one? Yes. Is it? Well, it's at Kings on. They got home advantage. They got a good record there as well. And now uh, you look at that Gloucester team on uh, paper. And I would, uh, I, I would say he's got the edge on the Blues. We, we've touched on it already. This, some familiar faces going head-to-head, Richard Hibbard and Ross Moriarty yeah. in the Gloucester yeah. side. That always adds a little bit of extra spice. Gloucester, yes, especially as uh, uh, Warburton's at number six for the Blues and Moriarty's at six for Gloucester, so they're going to head-to-head. And Simon and his marks now has uh, given Warburton a higher mark than uh, Moriarty. Would, who's, who's a better player well, I would give them the same, actually, <laughs> because they both had super uh, Six Nations. Moriarty was one of the revelations of Six Nations, could quite easily have been the newcomer of the tournament. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's, he's, it's going to be interesting about because he's heavier uh, and bigger than uh, Warburton. Warburton's is a slightly uh, different type of player. And uh, it's going to be a, a bit of a contrast in yeah. styles. And he's right; it's um, they're both six foot two. Warby's sixteen stone three, and Moriarty's sixteen stone twelve. And Mori and Sam himself said this week, it doesn't take a lot between New Year's to know not to run head on head towards <laughs> Mr. Moriarty. Yeah. He said that they've been talking about this game during the Six Nations. They've been looking forward to it. I said, have you spoken this week? He hasn't been in touch. <laughs> so I think the old pals act through the Six Nations. We've put to one side. Hey, it's just great to see those two going head to head, and hey, above all, fingers crossed they both come out of it uninjured. Yeah, I can assure you that Mr. Monty Marty will be one hundred percent fired up for this match, <laughs> knowing him and his uh, and his family. He will not be taking any prisoners. He will be going on that pitch to smash that more button. And another man who will be fired up is Mr. Hibbard, who we keep writing about here. Yeah. He keeps getting rave reviews. Man of the match again last weekend. You've got people now this week saying, could he be a wild card for the Lions? No. Nope. <laughs> you know, people, what are they on? He was discarded by Warren Gatland well, two though, seasons ago. If, well, if, he was, if, Wales, if Wales would have to pick him uh, for Gatland to pick him for the Lions, it's simple as that. Do you, think, simple as do that. you think on form he should be in the Wales squad? 
I, I don't know because uh, I am seen enough for him. I only watch the Arriba Premiership highlights on the highlights show, and you can't really tell from that. One thing I would say would go against him in New Zealand, though, even if the Lions did uh, pick him, is the pace of the game over there. The pace, the uh, rugby so fast generally in New Zealand, the All Blacks play at such a tempo mm. as uh, uh, Ibad got the engine to be able to keep up with that. I think either way, in a high profile game against Welsh opposition, you know, including Christian Dacia, who's actually in the Welsh mm. squad. He's going to have a big point to prove, you know, and he's going to be looking to hit the heights he's been hitting recently. You know, I'd say with the current Wales uh, coaches, including uh, Gatland and uh, Howley, and uh, they both obviously the Lions, number one and two. Uh, I don't see any way that Bob uh, Tabard will ever play for Wales again as long as they're in charge. Really? No. He is one thing I will say about him though. He's the kind of player who can sort of change the momentum of a game. In a few minutes, in the, if you know what I mean, you, I know his hair makes him stand out, but he, he, I throw Moss, Ross Moriarty in there as well. Big hits. Yeah, he, he can be a, a bit of a showcase sort of player at times. Yeah, he's he gets, a, a, gets the crowd. Hey, going. Yeah, he was a key man for uh, Wales winning the Six Nations in 2013 and the Lions winning that series in 2013. Didn't he? he had some huge moments. Uh, it was a, he smashed um, was Joe Marlowe? Uh, he smashed someone, didn't he? In the uh, 30 points of three win for Wales, and in the Lions, he smashed. Uh, he George smashed Smith, uh, George Smith in the, I think it was the third test, actually. Yeah, you know, he come up with these big moments. Ibad was in the form of his life then. Yeah. He had a period of about, uh, you know, 12 months period where he was a fantastic uh, player. Unfortunately, and he lost I, his I, way a bit after I that. would argue that I think he's not far off that form. Now, that's my point. I watched the game against Saracens. That one in particular stands out. He scored the winning try in that match. And again, it was the trademark big hits, the trademark big carries. And his work rate was excellent. Hey, listen, if we get a chance to see him tomorrow, we can all make our judgments, can't we? Yeah, the other issue, you know, there is a, I do accept, there is the point that the Lions have got a problem in Ogre anyway. The depth. Yeah, they have. Ken Owens was the best hooker, arguably, in the uh, Six Nations. But, uh, but is he really, uh, is he, uh, you know, so will he really be seen as Lions? What would you take then? I'd take Ken Owens, I'd take uh, Jamie George. Yes. And I take one other, not sure who. Well, come on. Which one? Huh? Which one would I take? <laughs> Fraser Brown is a tip title man. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why I take him? Because he's a converted flanker and he can run around all day, which is what you're going to need in So you'd leave Rory Best and Dylan Hartley at home? Yeah, I thought Best came unstuck big time in a match against, um, again, against Wales. And, um, uh, you know, he was a bit of reliability on the last uh, Lions tour. Would you would you take him as a third choice, perhaps to skip with the midweek team? I don't know. I definitely wouldn't take Hartley on form. He's been rubbish. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, then moving on. Uh, Ospreys against Stad is obviously the other one. That's quarter to six on Sunday. Again, not ideal. Why are you but, moaning uh, about his kickoffs time? Most of them quarter to six on Sunday. Cardiff Devils play every Sunday, but that time the full houses. <laughs> well, no. You know, they're a successful team, I suppose. Huh? Come on, we had a chat about this. 3,000 plus. <laughs> That's good, though, isn't it? Well, there is it's the added sport, isn't it? There is the added factor that the Ospreys fans have to travel to Cardiff, though, in fairness. It's just down the road. Swan- or just down <laughs> just the railway down track. The road. Swansea, 40 minutes. Come Max, on. come on, man, boys. <laughs> you know. But you don't know people in the, in the States or in Australia or New Zealand moaning about travel distances, do you? In, on that note... Typical in, Welsh. On that, note. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that note, is um, what do you think of the idea of moving this game to Principality? Could well, they have gone somewhere else? Yeah, they could have gone to uh, Parky Scalas, oh, Manesti, that, that the neighbours. Could have gone to Bridge End. Well, they could have gone. To, why couldn't they go? To, why couldn't they go to Lanethi? It's just down the road. It's about twelve miles. I, I think politically that would be seen as uh, an exception. Well, that's why they never. That's why they never. You could argue, mind, um, 
the rail links are better to Swan, uh, from Swansea to Car- uh, Neath and Bridge End yeah. to Cardiff than they are to Lanesley. I think they'll have, so I mean, they're talking to the Ospreys and they're hoping to have got 15,000 there. They've, they've, in fairness, and they've, they've made big efforts. They've got oh, in touch with local, local yes, businesses. They, they, they won't have had more than 15,000 if they've been in no, Liberty, they, Mike. So. They've, they've set up deals with local restaurants. They've yeah, got a, it, a tag festival yeah. for youngsters in the day. They, they're making it a big day out to Cardiff. Mm. And uh, I'm looking forward to that game. It's a different kind of game, isn't it? Because, you know, we see Gloucester, you know the players. I mean, Stad, you just don't know what mentality they're going to have. They've gone through this like terrible period where the future of their club has been under question amid the you know proposed uh, takeover merger with um, Racing. That seems to have fallen by the wayside now. They've so, got crazy playing for a mine, and they have so got a pretty good record what, in this what tournament. What their mentality over been? The, now, over the years, they've always given this tournament a go. Quality, quality in that. Quality in that. Yeah, but I think it's a it's a it's a fair point that Simon raises here. You know, they a couple of weeks ago they didn't know who who they were going to be employed by. Yeah, and now they're going to they were on about they striking and all this and that. It's carry on as you are now, though, isn't it? Yeah, but is it easy? Is it easy to slip back into that? How motivated will they be to play for employers who seem to be willing to sort of say, right, half of you might lose your jobs? Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. Do do. In the mind of a rugby player, are you playing consciously for your employers, or are you playing for yourself, your teammates, or the fans? You know, that's well, seeing myself. I'd be playing to win. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. for myself, in other words, and on the team, isn't it? And the, the other added part of this, we talk about the background and the, the lead up to it. Is the last week? If you look what happened to the Ospreys last week out in Italy. Well, now that yeah. came as a real shock. I mean, a number of people texted me and said, "Is this result result right?" And people couldn't believe it. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't. It wasn't like a team at total second string side, was it? Really? I mean, they had quite a few, you know, first team squad regulars. Yeah, he, playing. yeah, yeah. But Chirizo, he was motivated for that game, mind because the uh, coach Kieran Crowley's father had passed away, and they were playing for him. He'd left to go back mm. to New Zealand for that weekend, and they were so fired up to get a win for Kieran Crowley. I think in terms of the league, it's a bad result for the Ospreys. It makes it all harder for them to get it, you know, not just, um, you know, a, a first two for a home semi-final, mm. but even just holding the, the top four spot. But I think for this week, it will be a real kick up the backside for them and you'll see them come flying out of the traps. Yeah, yeah Osprey's favourites for this game. They should win. However, I don't think we can underestimate the absence of Alan Wynne-Jones, the impact he has on the Ospreys. You've done the team story done. today. And what were the Ospreys gone for? Any, I, I any... didn't do the team story. Mr Robert Lloyd <laughs> in, our, in our West Wales office did the uh, team well, story. You've seen, you've seen Sam Davis at fullback again. That's the one that jumps out at everyone, isn't it? You know, what, what do we make of a bigger tan Sam Davis fullback? Dan Evans on a, a wing, is it? Is that a cop-out? I don't like it. Diamonds um, is on the wing, yeah. Keelan Giles on the wing. Well, it should wing. be bigger or Sam Davis at 10, shouldn't it? But uh, they'd have to go bigger for this game because Sam Davis has hardly played. He played last week and they lost mm. in Treviso. And uh, is there any much point in being in the Wales camp during the Six Nations? His lack of game time, you know, he, uh, you could have argued that perhaps he should have started the last match. Um, well, you look at it, don't you? Like the fact that he didn't in play in the Six Nations. He's uh, rusty, he's got to be rusty. That's it. You know, they, they, they don't get a game for Wales, they hold tackle bags for six weeks. And then you know, they go back into the, so they miss out on that score, and then it affects their form because they, they were coming into the Six Nations in you know great form like someone like mm. Steph Evans hasn't played Addy for two months, yeah, and, and now come back in and they've lost that momentum. So it's, it's you lose lose really, isn't it's it? Because Sam didn't have a particularly great game when he played against uh, was it Edinburgh. Yeah, set up the one try for Matt Davies, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Difficult conditions. He was in and out in that game, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just goes. I'm just going along with what you're saying here. See, but yeah, other than that, the Os- Osprey is pretty much fully loaded. So, like you said, they are favourites. But this, let's be honest, in this competition, is their first real test, isn't it? 
You know, I know yeah, they is. 30 points from 30 or whatever it was in yeah, the group stages. Yeah. but the playing teams weren't interested in it, were they? So, you know, yeah, this is, a, this is their first the real proper test, but you still expect them to come through it. Well, I think they should. When I've looked at the teams on paper, and I think they should beat a staff Francais team. Yeah. Yeah. It'd yeah, be good as well to see Keelan Giles at the, the Principality. If, if they don't beat yeah. them, if they don't beat them, their season is in danger of imploding. <laughs> Big step, and they've slipped out. They're gonna. They, I was looking at now because of that defeat in you know, Treviso last week. They might have to go away in the semi-finals of the uh, Pro Twelve, and I don't think any team's ever won away a in a semi-final. No, you can playoff. see the way it's shaping up. It's going to be the Ospreys and the Scarlets, maybe both undergoing Keel- Island. Ke- Keelan Giles, yes, he's been at Principality Stadium before in the uh, pre-match warm-up, but of course uh, Wales uh, <laughs> bottled it when it came to uh, putting him on off the bench against uh, Japan last autumn. So let's go around the board and we expect the Ospreys to win? Yes. Yes. Like get the confidence. We didn't do that for the Blues. We're trying for the Blues. Gloucester. On paper. It'll either be very close or Gloucester will win easily. Yeah, on paper Gloucester, but let's not forget what the Dragons did there at this stage last year. Okay. You never say never. So who are you predicting? I'll go Gloucester. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, nice, nice to you to Galtha Francis, Simon. <laughs> We've, um, so that's the regions. Done. There's been a lot of talk in the last week about Lions. Um, and Sam Warburton in particular, and the captaincy role, um, which I think is quite interesting. One bookmaker suspended betting on it. They said, as far as they could see, it looked as though Sam Warburton was past the post, their words. Um, I think that's a pretty strange thing to say, to be honest, given that we're so far out from the announcement. But um, if it is, if he is favourite and they are suspending betting on him, puts him in the, in the driver's seat, doesn't it? So... What do you make of him being captain of the Lions? I think it's an almost a certainty. Yeah. I think it has been, first, especially since when he started playing well again in the uh, Six Nations, uh, regained his best form. Um, and you look at the other candidates, uh, Alan Wynne-Jones took over the Wales captaincy. It hasn't been a, a, a real success, has it? Wales finished fifth in the Six Nations, only uh, Italy below him. He's now injured, Alan Wynne. He could be a doubt for the Lions tour. Uh, Rory Best, Ireland... Uh, you know, lost two games in the Six Nations. Yeah. Uh, his game fell apart a bit himself. Uh, he had an horrendous Lions tour in 2013. Definitely not a shoo-in. And Dylan Artley, who I guess was the favourite at the start of the season, uh, is that a shocker? <laughs> so, you know, like I said earlier, he shouldn't even be, uh, he, he, I wouldn't even take him as a player to, um, to New Zealand because he's so out of touch. The interesting thing for me with this side is that... Um Warbland came back and has played his best rugby for some time in this Six Nations without the captaincy. So, to, mo- to well, myself and probably a lot of people, it would be quite confusing to look at this and see him as a... Well, why would you put this on him when he's obviously playing his yeah. best rugby without that kind of pressure? A couple of things. I spoke to Sam this week and I spoke to him at length about the Lions situation and about the fact that he is the favourite for the role. Um this week alone, you've had Ian McGeechan, Brian of Driscoll, who know a little bit about rugby and Lions rugby, both yeah. said that he's the man, ticks all the boxes. Um, I came away from that interview more convinced than ever that Sam is going to be the Lions captain. Not because he said, yes, I, I've heard about it, I'm ready for it, or anything like that. Just the body language when he was talking about the Lions and how much it clearly means to him, that, that concept. You know, he talked about how he's always admired players who have been multiple Lions, because of the longevity of their career at a high class, and he wants to be able to do that. And you can see he's he's really animated. For he's like, I'm not going to lie, I'd love to be in that squad. Then obviously said all the right things as you'd expect from such a diplomatic character, saying 
you know, I can't possibly say whether I would want to be Lions captain until I get asked. You know, it would be wrong of me to think that far ahead. I just got to get in the squad. And it's that kind of safe pair of hands, ambassadorial role, the way he always says the right thing. It was all of that that made me come away and say, yeah, you're going to be the Lions captain again. As for this whole thing about, isn't it a bit odd? They've taken the Wales captaincy off him or he's relinquished it, whatever way you want to present it. And now I think it all, in the long term, you can see almost it makes sense what's happened here, can't you? Because he perhaps wasn't at the peak of his form, had had injury problems over the last 18 months. Being away from the captaincy has allowed him to get right back up to the level. I think it's motivated him, yeah, not has. being captain. Yeah, I, mean, I think you can ask a question of Sam Auburn, whether subconscious or what, motivation. Sometimes it appears he struggles with motivation. I'm sure a lot of Blues fans would agree with that as well. Because sometimes with the, uh, the Blues, he's not a force he is at the uh, international level. And I think he is hugely motivated by the Lions. Yes. In a way, you can and understand. Right. Because if you're captain for so many years, mm. I, like you said, subconsciously, surely you begin to feel untouchable. Yeah, well, he said that himself, didn't he? And that was one of the reasons he said why he didn't want to be captain anymore yeah. Wales. I because think uh, he said you know, he didn't want to be guaranteed a place in the team anymore. So he was having a massive challenge off... Uh, Tipridge and uh, Moriarty, and uh, maybe he was fortunate that the start of Six Nations of Faltel was missing through injury because if Faltel had been fully fit and firing, Warburton may have been the one to miss out. And I think the fact that he's had this break from captaincy means now that if Walt Gatlin does come to you and says, Look, I want you to do the Lions captaincy, he'll be, you'll feel freshened up and say, Well, it's, it's a seven week period, fantastic honour to do it. If you look at Warburton throughout his career, when he's had a run of games and had fitness, Going into an international period, he performs. We've seen in the past where he's been injured and they've been like trying to get him fit right up to the last minute and he plays maybe his first game in six weeks in, in an international period, not himself. When he's fit and firing, got rugby under his belt, he is one of the best players in the world. And we saw that again this time. He played seven games in a row for the Blues, got his fitness, got his match fitness, got his form back up, came into the Six Nations on a run and ended up being one of the players of the tournament. And when he's at his best... There are few players as effective as him physically as a back row forward in the game of rugby. And if you look at it and you name the players that are nailed on as Lions test starters, they easily remain within one hand of fingers, don't they? Yeah. You've got Warburton, you've probably got Mr. Farrell, you know, would be the only other person I'd see as a potential Lions captain. Why would captain you see Farrell as a nailed on Lions starter? I think on the base of his form over the last year, he's a match winner. It's either a 10 or 12, he has to be in that team for me. Well, Sex is a better 10 than him. Well, I and you could argue, well, my Lions, Angel's a better 12. My Lions so team, if you've got my, half penny, my Lions team, a goal kick, you don't need Farrell. My Lions team was Sexton 10, Farrell 12. Anyway, my point being, there are very few players who I think, and, and your question, and the one I've said is nailed on, which, which proves my point in a way, right? Yeah, Warburton is one of those who is nailed on for a starter. You have to have that. He's done it before. He's you, on a, a Lions captain job is different, right? You have to do so much more off the field. And he's freshened up now. He's had a break from that. And he would be the perfect ambassadorial figure to go out to the, the, the land that likes that is more rugby focused and mad than he's any other in the world. He's a fantastic captain, isn't he? Off the field, you know, he's an ambassador for the. He's an ambassador, diplomat, and all the rest. He's a, you know, safe pair of hands. He's great doing interviews. Knows exactly what to say. He's a top bloke, Warburton, and it's great to see him back playing playing at his best. Of course, there is going to be fierce competition for the back row. Uh, Test jerseys with the Lions, and it could all come down to who performs doing the tour. What was your back row? Remind me. 
CJ, I think it was CJ Stander, six. Uh, I know I didn't pick a team. I was away in Spain <laughs> in myself. So. Pedaling right, on my what, bike. As it is now, what would your back row be? Oh, oh, <laughs> well, there's too many to pick from, isn't there? <laughs> I know what my locks would be, though. Toji and Launchbury. <laughs> back row, I'd be, uh, I might even play standard eight in Warburton, six and Tipper seven. There we are. Ooh, that's exciting. Let's change here. I would have Tipperick at seven and Walton at six. That's the same as I just said. Who would you have at eight? I don't think it would be Stander. Ronnie Polo? Off the bench. Right. Impact. Fair enough. We digress. Um, all right, let's quickly then before we finish, another news to come out, bit of news to come out this week was uh, French lock Johan Maestri got a €30,000 fine uh, for his comments about uh, referee Wayne Barnes after that debacle in Paris. Um to paraphrase, he said there's complicity between Anglo-Saxons. He said Anglo-Saxon referees think that the French are cheats. Um, you can expect a fine after <laughs> saying things like that, to be fair. Um, but they, they've come down, they've thrown in that fine. I think that's uh, probably what you should expect, really, isn't it? The comments are. I wouldn't say that. You know, Such a high uh, fine if it was an Irish player saying the opposite about uh, French referees. I wouldn't have suspected he would have got the same of uh, <sighs> such a heavy... Uh, Fine, but you know, you stupid thing to say, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, you got to say it's probably a, uh, you know, ridiculous what he said. What a, you know, load of rubbish. But that is the mentality of the French. They do think that they do, they do think that the uh, the Brits and the Irish gang up on them. One thing that were Six Nations are yet to really give us anything on site is this substitution that went on, mm. the controversy with Antonio and uh, Slimani. Who is is he playing this weekend? Yeah, Slomani playing for Stade Francais. Yeah, so but they still that investigation is ongoing. But this is it's just dragging out a bit now, isn't it? It is almost you almost get the sense they're hoping people forget about it, aren't you? Exactly. Listen, I don't think there's an awful lot they can do. What, Why I, not? what can they actually prove? You, you've got to be what certain can they prove? that was a lie, haven't you? How? Well, you've got to listen to the transcripts, haven't you? Yeah. Be interesting to see if he went through the protocols because yeah. I know he was playing the week after. Yeah. First of all, Barnes couldn't have done anything else. Once yeah. the doctor said to him, I, I, "This player <laughs> needs a head injury assessment," he had to let him go. For the I, field. I, I, Not to go back over all ground, but that, yeah, nothing yeah, he could do. And how would you prove that the guy yeah, wasn't? What I would like one? to know, right, is how the doctor suddenly appeared in camera shot in front of Wayne Barnes. Where did the doctor come from? You know, was it Doctor Who and the TARDIS had just landed on a picture or something? He just appeared. For, I was watching on TV, and he just appeared from nowhere. This doctor and Barnes are saying. Is it an head injury? And I wasn't sure if the doctor you could understand what he was saying and what his knowledge of English was. And he sort of said, yes. I said, he could have been saying yes to anything. <laughs> I think what will happen, they'll come up with some statement about there needs to be a clearer process between the fourth official and the doctors, blah, 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 blah. We were looking at improving arrangements. There'll be nothing. No, you know, no we've action. had it. There'll be no action. There's been this sort of thing. I mean, it was a big stink in French uh, rugby a year or so ago, but the concussion things, when I think it was Maxime Moss, was it? Whereas Guncaston was sent back on to carry on playing. Yeah, that you was know, you know. Bad news that was. In French rugby, you can say over there the players who's, really are cannon fodder. Who's the head coach to lose at the time when that happened? Ooh, was it was it, was it Guino Vez? Was he still in charge? Uh, was another French coach? Uh, yeah, anyway, come on. Anyway, let's, let's start to say that. Yeah. You know. But it'd be interesting to see yeah. if anything comes from that. Uh, we. Uh, but we're not holding our breath. Um, well, so they're going to have to come up with a report and do something, aren't they? They're either going to say, we haven't, there's not enough evidence, or they're going to take action. Yeah. Uh, I predict this report could come out on the day of the Lions' uh, squad announcement, so it'll be swept under the carpet. <laughs> there right. we are, there's one for you. All right, we'll leave it there. Uh, 
Simon, you're going to Gloucester and you are doing the Ospreys this weekend, yes. I believe. And where are you off? I'm uh, because uh, Simon, after uh, doing the initial reports on what happened at Sardis Road with the uh, Merthyr players, I don't think he's uh, too keen on going to uh, the <laughs> Merthyr Pottery Pony Pete match. So he's handing me his uh, tin hat <laughs> and I'm going up there to take any flack. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Andy, you've gone up the worm. Are we yes. doing that? Are we doing that? We do that live, I guess. Live, we? live. It'll be on Wales Online. Live on, on Wales Online. Obviously, we're going to be doing. Uh... Subject to the technology working, man. <laughs> I'm sure you'll figure it out. Um, obviously, we're going to be doing live updates uh, from Gloucester against Cardiff Blues and Ospreys against Staff Francais over the weekend. And you can catch all the fallout from those games on Wales Online. Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nuggets burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King.